Hey, faith family. Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Beyond Sunday. I don't know how many we're in, but it's getting up there a little bit, closing in on a year. Mm, Weeks Um, go by fast. Yeah, they do. It's springtime. Randy and I were talking about the trees out in the parking lot Mm -hmm. budding, Mm -hmm. and it's exciting. The weather's warming up. All is good. Um, We're into Matthew. Yes, we are. God is with us. So, Randy, let's dive in here. I won't belabor you with jokes, although curveball season is here, too. Thank you for mercy. Spring training. My curveball analogies, baseball analogies are going to start coming in hot. Okay. So get ready. All right. But this week you have off. It's still spring training. I'll study hard this week in preparing for those curveballs. Good. Good. Got to hit. Got to go hit a curveball. Can't hit a curveball. You're not going to make it. That's for sure. Anyone can hit a fastball. Almost. Almost anyone. That's right. Okay. So here we go. Matthew chapter two. Um, Mm -hmm. Let me just do a quick recap. So. Uh, especially because our live stream, unfortunately, had a little hiccup this weekend and didn't come through. So mm-hmm. no one's going to go back and scrutinize your sermon. If you weren't there, you unfortunately missed your opportunity. But mm-hmm. we were in Matthew chapter two again. Uh, Joseph and the family are on the run mm-hmm. because the angel of the Lord says, you got to get out of here. And so he goes down to Egypt and they kind of just are in a holding pattern there until mm-hmm. the angel of the Lord says, all right, it's safe for you to go back. And so they do. And so Joseph, Mary, Jesus, and any other kids they would have had by that point are heading back up north. And they do so, but it takes them another move or two to settle in, right, to the the Galilee area. Correct. Into, uh, yeah, Nazareth. So that was the the text passage that we were in. And um, there's your your recap Mm -hmm. in a minute. Mm -hmm. Now... Uh, you had mentioned on Sunday, and we've seen it a handful of times already early in Matthew, these Old Testament quotations. And I know that's kind of like a little uh, Bible nerdy thing that you enjoy, gets you all mm-hmm. frothy in the mouth. Why? What's what's exciting yeah. about you to you about Matthew and his Old Testament quotations? Yeah, so the reason why I like to study is uh-huh. because, first of all, it's possible that when the gospel writers or the apostles who write the New Testament letters, mm-hmm. it's possible that when they, when they quote an Old Testament text, the way in which they use that text is helpful f- for us in knowing how to interpret the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's really important. So for instance, if you're reading in the Old Testament and you come to Hosea, and I think this... Uh, this this quote uh, at the end of verse 15, out of Egypt, I called my son. Mm-hmm. So if you're just reading the Old Testament and you're not thinking about the way in which Matthew is quoting that mm-hmm. text, then you're going to miss some significance for it. For instance, you'll miss the fact that uh, you are actually finding your own faith journey back in Hosea's gospel, for instance. So uh, one of the one of the ways to say it is it's an important study because the use of the Old Testament by the New Testament authors reveals some interpretive issues that that may be critical for us. Mm-hmm. And for me, they are. Now, that's a commitment that I've made for, for a lot of years. So I am hook, line and sinker. Um, 
believing that the way in which they use the Old Testament helps mm-hmm. me. So mm-hmm. that's the reason, uh, for instance, why that first point on Sunday talks about our exile, yeah, not only his. Mm-hmm. It's because we're in Christ that we are our um, the situation of being a Christ follower involves, as I opened with on Sunday, it involves knowing where has he been. Mm-hmm. So beyond Sunday, what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're drawing hope still from the Lord Jesus Christ as fully identifying with us in our own exile and in our own suffering. Mm -hmm. The fact that he experiences having to run for his life into Egypt of all places has all kinds of theological significance. And that's helpful for us in our journey because we do not, I mean, if we say we believe that God is saving us, one of the great truths that we can hold on to is the fact that he does so because he's fully identified with our suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, two questions. Mm-hmm. One, can you just repeat what you said early on? When you're reading the Old Testament in the New Testament, mm-hmm. it tells you something about your faith journey and inter- yeah. interprets your faith journey. Yeah. Say that again. Because I, I think what happens to us is when we read the Old Testament, we just think, that happened a long time ago to those people back then and mm-hmm. to Israel and so forth. And depending on what type of teaching and preaching has been heard through the years, oftentimes the historical part of that is what's prominent. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would rather say, no, that whole story is about us because it's about Christ first. And since we're in Christ, it's about us too. Okay. So what Christ is, the way in which Christ is, quote, found or seen in these Old Testament texts uh, by someone like Matthew, when mm-hmm. Matthew says, out of Egypt, I have called my son, and he's applying that to Jesus, mm-hmm. that's important for me. So that's one of the main reasons why that's in, that, that's important. The second one, I think, is equal to that, mm-hmm. all right? So just think about how much sovereignty, how much sovereign control of history God must have in order to write these things centuries ago, make prophecies like this. Mm-hmm. For instance, if that wordplay about Nazarene is correct, going back to Isaiah 11.1, Netzer, the branch. Right. So if Mm -hmm. that word, if that Hebrew word for branch, Netzer, Mm -hmm. is now a wordplay for Nazarene, you can hear the same consonants. Yep. If that's true, Mm -hmm. then that's an amazing statement about the sovereignty of God to control history. Because look at what he has to do to put this in place. Centuries, centuries ago, he makes a prophecy that is fulfilled, come to completion, because Christ now appearing in Galilee, in Nazareth with his family, is uh, all of a sudden uh, new redemptive possibilities are coming out because of this arrival. Mm -hmm. And this is this was prophesied back in Isaiah 11. So it's a. So that that study, when you see New Testament authors going back and quoting the Old Testament, what you're seeing is you're seeing God controlling all of that history. Mm-hmm. And the side benefit, of course, is when you when we learn to read the Bible like that, we just see the faithfulness of God. He nothing. I mean, the, the variables are. Uncountable, True. innumerable, yeah, the yeah. variables that could disrupt that that plan. Uh-huh. And yet. He says, no, it's going to come true. Yeah. So he controls all of that. Yeah. So there's great faith in that. Yeah. His faithfulness is strong. And, yeah. And Jesus suffered and we suffer. Uh, but before we get into that, because that's kind of mm-hmm. like where the, the sermon yeah. um, landed on Sunday. Yeah. 
Um, mm-hmm. Last question about these Old Testament texts. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- what guardrails should someone have in place as far as, you know, taking an Old Testament text and going too far with it? Because I, I think I'm safe to say there's some of the things the New Testament authors do. If I heard someone else do, I would say eh, that's probably a stretch, mm-hmm. but it is in the New Testament. Yeah. So I'm OK so, with it. Yeah. So, for, yeah. So, first of all, I would, I would just say, honestly, um, you know, to the to the percentage of people that are thinking about applying the hermeneutic of the apostles mm-hmm. and the danger of that quote, the danger of that. Now, that's something you should be familiar with. Yeah. Some others probably not so much. Um so the guardrail is this, that what we're doing first is we're making sure that we understand the Old Testament in its context and so that the meaning comes from Isaiah 11 or from Hosea 11 before we think about fulfillment in Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's the chronology or the sequence of, I think the safeguard or the guardrail occurs in the sequence of study. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that we ground meaning in the the wording and the theology of Isaiah 11 or Hosea 11 to use these two first, the first two. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's ground our meaning in the wording that's there, including the immediate context. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. And then from there, we always are asking the question, what is it about the Christ event that makes that particular text function for the church? Because without him, it can't. Right. Case in point, these texts. Yes. Okay. So the, we've got a lot of people reading through the Bible in a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're in the Old Testament yep. right now. A lot they of them are. are. Yep. Um, so the takeaway that I'm hearing is some of these Old Testament texts, we, we want to read them for what they are in their context and get the meaning from that, that mm-hmm. close context. And then from there, look to Jesus, because yeah. we do believe the Bible points us it's, it's to one story. Him, yeah, the Old Testament, yeah. particularly yes. leading to him. Yeah, it's one story, which is what these gospel writers are showing us, mm-hmm. that what's happening in Jesus' day is in line with or in conjunction with or in participation with, participating with mm-hmm. that one story from the Old Testament. Okay. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we get to the gospel, the good news, uh-huh. and we we don't see good news in some ways. It's no. suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Jesus early on identifies with our suffering. Right from the start. And so uh, mm-hmm. my first of two questions for uh-huh. you is this. How do we get a pulse on where the suffering's coming from? Because whatever that suffering may be, someone... Uh, loses a job, mm-hmm. there's a strained relationship, there's illness or injury, there's a, there's all kinds of categories that people could, you know, of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes that suffering, I think, could come from different places. I have some thoughts myself, but if someone's in a season that they would consider suffering, they're just getting trying to get through it. I think sometimes it's helpful to know why or ask the question, why am I suffering? Mm-hmm. Because there's potentially reasons that you know, are to blame, uh, you know, ourselves to blame. Mm-hmm. Um, if I jump off the ch- church roof right. and break my leg, yeah. that's suffering because I made a really dumb decision. You're an idiot. Yeah. yeah, because I'm an idiot. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one kind of suffering. Yeah. But there's other kinds of suffering that are caused by different reasons. And yeah. some of them we have control over. Some of them we don't. 
So, okay, let me let me just start with with this statement, and it's too bad to put it in this. Oh, no, I can put it this way: the scriptures, um, the scriptures will rarely, the scriptures will rarely reveal to you what you did to cause the um, to cause the suffering. In other words, the scriptures rarely will give you a one-to-one correspondence between I did this, I'm suffering this. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, I put it that way, rarely. Usually what happens is a person is doing their Bible reading, they're having their devotions, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden a verse, they read something and they go, or they're in church and they hear something and they go, oh my goodness, that could be me. Mm-hmm. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So it's very difficult for a person yeah. in their devotional life to read the Bible and to get that conf- that confirmation of a one-to-one correspondence between you know cause and effect. Mm-hmm. That's di- that's very difficult to do. Um, which means that there's only one other avenue left, and this is what gets it, it's it's extremely muddy. In other words, now you're waiting for uh, the Holy Spirit to somehow give you this this firm word that. Here's the lesson that I want you to learn. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that can't happen. It's just you'll notice that that has now it's been divorced from a particular word from God, from his word. And now I'm relying on this communion with the Holy Spirit. And I'm claiming and I'm, and I'm trying to use this, this language in the best of cases. I'm claiming that God has spoken to me and given me clarity about my problem. Here's the cause uh, linked to this effect. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hard to make that a hard and fast. Sure. I'm going to rely on that authoritative. That's really, really difficult. So yeah. that's what makes this, this, this situation of Christians wanting to know what am, what am I supposed to learn? It assumes, of course, that suffering is intended to teach a lesson. Mm-hmm. That's an assumption. So if you can go to through the script, and this would be a great exercise for everybody to, to try and then get back to us because I haven't, I haven't memorized all these things. So mm-hmm. if you could search the scriptures and just pull out some of these places where the scripture says that, that suffering is designed to teach lessons for life. Now, the one that I referred to, and, and this might get to the next issue because you said there were two, so mm-hmm. I'm not, uh, I don't remember what they were. So, the reason why I wanted to talk about the James text mm-hmm. is because James is the one place that tells us that there's a purpose for trials. Yeah. So when someone says to me, what am, what am I supposed to learn? I'm going to go to James and say, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness mm-hmm. and st- and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing so i would easily say now that all of the trials i, I can say that on the basis of this text that all of the trials have this type of effect on us mm-hmm. and the end of that is spiritual maturity which cannot happen apart from the trials and the steadfastness in the middle there was the that's the waiting part where we have to stand firm in the midst of the trauma. Mm-hmm. And so that's why my best answer to everyone who asks is to say, no, what you're what you're learning is you're learning to be patient and to wait on God because your your faith is being tested in ways that it can't be otherwise. 
So the lesson is uh, you have to wait. You're, yeah. you're put in the place where steadfastness is being created. Okay. You're, it's, it's muddy. It's not clear. And you're muddying my questions because mm-hmm. uh, you're answering a question I didn't ask you yet. Okay. Um, so you're muddy. You're right. muddy this All morning. Right. All, right. All right. So my question was, yeah. uh, and we're going to get to that mm-hmm. actually. And okay. That's really helpful. How do we get a pulse on where the suffering is coming from? Someone said, I'm suffering. What's the first step? What would you say to them? I, I would say, don't try to find it. Don't try and find the cause. No, unless. Why? Unless the Spirit of God is telling you, uh, it, unless the Spirit of God is convicting you of a specific sin mm-hmm. that you are still committing. Okay. If that's the case. Yeah. Now that's different from him trying to teach you something mm-hmm. about why you're suffering. Mm-hmm. Th- this is the Holy Spirit saying, you need to stop your sin, mm-hmm. that particular sin. Yeah. So, and I and I'm I can't remember exactly, but I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, "If you can't, if if the devil, if the devil is trying to just give you this vague sense of you're suffering because," mm-hmm. he said, "Don't even think, don't even consider it, don't give him the time of day." Yeah. If it's vague, it's not worth your time. If it's something specific. Now, God in his mercy is saying to me, that sin needs to stop. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that would be, yeah. that's, but other than that, don't try to find the source. Okay. If what you mean by source is the cause that of leads the to suffering. the effect. Yeah. I would say that's a futile, that's a futile Christian. And by the way, just so if you're trying to think this through, yeah. um, my experience working with people through the years tells me that I've not found a Christian who has been helped by that question. That question, remember, is always being posed to me in times of trouble and and uh, disorientation and mm-hmm. wondering and confusion. Never has that question led to healing. Mm-hmm. Now, that would tell me that there's something wrong with that angle. In other words, I would expect that through the years, somebody yeah. would say, hey, you know what? I was asking you about. I wonder what God is trying to teach me. And I know exactly what he's trying to teach me. And this has really helped me and I'm doing well. I've not heard that ever, ever. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's another angle I hadn't thought of until just now. Yeah. No, you've been around the block. Um, but but I, I did hear you say that it to someone who's going through suffering to at least ask the question, am I, am I doing something that's grieving the Lord that you, he's... You wouldn't tell someone to take you, a look at their their life. They, I would say it. I would say it this way. People do. Has the Holy Spirit been tugging at your heart about a sin? Are you sitting here, and you know that you've been violating the character of God? You know it. Yeah, that's what I would ask them. I'd ask it that way. Yeah, and that's a good question to ask. It's always a good sin? question. Yeah, when someone when someone is is especially when someone is confused about things, it's always a good question to ask. Why hasn't God given you wisdom in this, in this issue? What, what's wrong? Because mm-hmm. he promises to give it. Right. So anytime I find a lot of confusion, I find, okay, there's some other things going on. I may not be able to get to them, but mm-hmm. right. there should be clarity. Yeah. God does not keep his children in the dark. No. Um, but we do see examples in the new Testament, um, in you know Corinthians and James of people who are sick and ill or yes. dying yes. because of sin. 
and the, and the and the instruction is mm-hmm. you notice confess. it doesn't say that's right it doesn't say go find out no it says confess your sin right so which but is that a, person, it's an assumption right but if that person isn't asking the question of themselves is there something in my life that is going unconfessed mm-hmm. then they haven't taken that a good first step in my mind like they ought to ask themselves is there is there unconfessed sin in my life that you know i'm not aware of okay can i get help there that's that's so true but that's late what i would rather say to all of us is this morning when i prayed the disciples prayer yeah i asked for forgiveness right so i want to say to you don't wait that long by the time you get to that question i'm just telling you by the time people ask that question it's not helpful to them i'm not finding them getting any help yeah. What is God trying to teach me? What is God trying to teach me? I don't know. Yeah, but that's I do just, know he's right. telling you that you're in trouble right now because your suffering is part of a badly broken world. And sometimes that's a, God's people must suffer. Yeah. And by the way, the scriptures prepared us for this. So this should not be a surprise. So, uh, you know, it's it's important to think through uh, when when Jesus goes th- goes through his earthly life and these gospel writers record this. Let's be looking for places where Jesus says, oh, you're going you're going to suffer. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm you know, the servant is is no greater than his master. The servant's not greater than his master. So see what they're doing to me. They'll also do it to you type yes. of text. He's mm-hmm. not then saying to his disciples, oh, by the way, try to figure out what I'm teaching you. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not going to do that. He's just going to say, no, you should expect to suffer in mm-hmm. a badly broken world. Yeah. Sometimes the suffering comes because we have associated ourselves with Jesus. Right. Yeah. And that's to be expected. Yes. And sometimes the suffering comes because we are born in a cursed world. And so there's, there's wars that happen. Can you imagine someone in the Ukraine right now, a believer in the Ukraine saying, wow, a a part of my apartment building has been torn apart. I wonder what I did. Mm -hmm. What would I say to them? I would say, do you have a specific sin that you know you've been committing against God? It's possible that the corner of your apartment is gone because you are our whatever. Mm-hmm. Or I would say to you, more than likely, it's unfortunate that God in his sovereignty allows you to live in this particular location at this particular time period when Russia invades the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And you just happen to be, to use the term I used on Sunday, collateral damage. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. by the way, is... I'm more sure of that answer than yeah. I am of the first one to yeah. use. A, a, I, know, I know that sounds like somebody would say to me, I'll probably hear this this week. Well, that was a radical example. Why? That's that's intense suffering. Yeah. And easily a Christian could be saying, what have I done? Oh, my goodness. Look at what I did. And so I would say probably not. Yeah. And you've said it twice now, but the potential like the just suffering is a part of the broken, cursed world we live in. So it's bound to happen. It's, it's, we're experiencing it day in and day out it's my, to it's, different degrees. It is. Um, so now to get to the question you were answering ahead of time, someone who is going through suffering towards the end of the sermon, you said, one of the things you'll say to them is have patience. What's that look like? What, sure. how else would you fill out that so, response? To yeah, them? I'm sure you have more than two words. Uh, not a lot. I, I've been thinking about this a lot, getting into Matthew's gospel, thinking about what Jesus faced. And then, of course, being bombarded with the theology coming from what happened to him from the time he was born. He's mm-hmm. under attack from day one. Mm-hmm. So 
I would say to you on the basis of that James 1 text, which I think is the clearest place in the Bible that explains, one of the clearest places that explains what God is doing in our suffering to redeem it. Mm-hmm. Can I read? Yeah. Oh, sure. For yeah. You? Yeah. He says, we rejoice in our sufferings, very similar to James. Yes. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Is that the Romans? That's Romans 5. 5, right? Mm-hmm. We rejoice in it because it... We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Another, uh, another. I wasn't thinking of that text, but that's a great text again to say, if you're looking for places in Scripture to explain why is this happening to me, then we all are familiar with no pain, no gain. Most of, most everybody knows that phrase. Mm-hmm. That slogan, no pain, no gain. Yeah. Okay. So we all know it. But we are constantly um, I don't know what you call performing self-inspection. Mm-hmm. What is God trying to teach me? What is God trying to teach me? I think that he's already said what he's doing very clearly. That the testing of your faith, which happens in trials, that produces these things which leads to spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what else to say. I, I, I mean, I, you know, you can say stuff like this. I, I mean, and just remember too, that, you know, for the two of us, for instance, you know, we want desperately to continue to aid you in your, uh, in your being a Christ follower. So what we want is we want you to cling to Christ when you're suffering. I mean, that's the time when you need him the most. Mm-hmm. And you need to cling to him knowing that suffering may not end. It may yeah. not end. Right. No guarantee. So, you know, we've all prayed and prayed and prayed, and God has not seen fit to answer our prayers right yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want to say to, to you, for instance, if you're suffering badly, just remember that you this is the time when you must trust God the most. Mm-hmm. And you must know that he cares for you and, he, and he's having mercy on your soul in the midst of the suffering, because you know about his son. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot of hope in a text like this. Yeah. I mean, but, but sadly, the hope is in the suffering. Yeah. It's not apart from the suffering. It's not when the suffering's over. The hope is actually in the suffering. So yeah. as much as none of us want to suffer, apparently from what we know from James and Paul, it's, it's the only way to spiritual maturity. Yeah, it's definitely a or what, heightened how, how did way. that one end? Endurance. Yeah, endurance. With endurance, yeah. which is the ability to stay under in the times of suffering. Yeah. So I know it's not a it, it's not a happy word. Uh, nobody wants to suffer long. No. Can I add to that? Mm-hmm. In the suffering, cling to Christ and cling to the body, cling to one another. Because I think just coming out of Such the membership a- here this weekend, you know, adding the Boja curls, um, when the when one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. So we, as a body, we all to suffer together. There's always in that family a mix of emotions of joy and grief and sorrow, yeah. just intermingled. That's such an important word, John. So, I, Jonathan, I think you know. Again, uh, for the sufferers, boy, uh, if you can have a handful of people who can enter into that with you, there's there's mm-hmm. no doubt that that's redemptive. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, okay, well, I think that's that's sufficient. And you know, I was arguing with you a little bit about you know, do we ask that question of sure. you know, is there sin in my life? And so to argue against, argue with myself, um, I think we want to be careful to not um, point 
people to, you know, start condemning people if we see them suffering. Mm, yeah. Uh, Job's friends did Great not point. do that well. Excellent point. Jesus did nothing to deserve the suffering that he found himself in. Excellent point. Um, but we're on this we're on this journey towards Christ likeness. It's going to have valleys, seasons of of just hard suffering, and thankfully through those times, God does some really really good work in us and yeah. that's something to uh i have one or one other verse here out of first peter first yeah. peter talks about suffering a, a lot, lot because we're exiles elect, elect exiles yeah. yes he says this which i thought was really encouraging mm-hmm. um therefore let those who suffer according to god's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator mm-hmm. while doing good so even yeah. in in that we we entrust our lives to a good and faithful creator yeah. while we continue just to live our faith out. And look at the clarity in that apart from, uh, I can't figure out what he's trying to teach me yeah. in contrast. To yeah. That. So yeah. there's great clarity mm-hmm. in that mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to letting the devil give you this sense of vague, what have I done? Yeah. Dismiss that and put, you know, put that kind of faith in practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's healthy. That's mm-hmm. a good word. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, this is a long episode. Again, two weeks in a row. Sorry, yeah, but yeah. for those of you who like the long episodes, you're welcome. You did it. Congratulations. All right, continue to uh, send those questions to us. We we love having them. Uh, enjoy discussing them. So email them to podcast at cbcmj.com and we'll do our best and see you guys on Sunday. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship beyond Sunday.